Right on radio. Right on radio. Hello, Right on Radio family. This is Eric, and welcome to another Saturday night sermon. That's when it's airing here in the States, but wherever you are in the world, it might be a different time, and you might be right watching this after this. So, welcome to the Saturday night sermon. I want to invite you and encourage you to, an hour from now, join us on Telegram if you're there at the Right on Radio chat. And uh, we, main page, we will be doing our singing pour. So please join us. It's an incredible time of prayer, ministry, and worship, and just being the body of Christ together. So please come to that. Um, at, at, maybe immediately following this, but if not, on the hour. So um, welcome. And today we're going to be doing a, a deep dive into the gifts and the fruits of the spirits. Um, a very important topic. Um, can often be controversial, and I want to really dive into their place in the early church and the place in our lives and in the church today, and um, the importance of the gifts and the fruits. And um, I am going to be covering a lot. There is a lot there, um, and probably do more than one teaching on this, but we're going to kind of do a deep dive. I'm not going to go too deep into the original language, um, but please stay to the end. Even if, even if you've studied this before, there's some neat tie-ins that um, the Lord showed me as I was studying, and I'm, so you might get some some uh, revelation about the gifts and the fruits in your life and in our life as the bride or the body of Christ. So let's pray real quick, Father. I want to ask that your word would go forth. Lord, um, prepare our hearts to hear what we're going to hear, and prepare my mouth to speak what you want me to speak. And Lord, as I step out in one of your gifts for me. I pray that your word would go out and it wouldn't return void and it would accomplish what it was intended to accomplish. So we thank you for the, the existence of the gifts and the fruits of your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, please come be a part of this time. Um, and I pray that you would impart and teach to your children and to the body of Christ um, maybe things they didn't know about the fruits and the gifts and that you would um, spark those in our lives so that we may be your best representation as we can be. And we can't be very holy without you, Holy Spirit. And we can't be very spiritual without you either. And we want to be both. And we need you for that. So Holy Spirit, please come. Please come. Visit your church. And make us who you intended us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> I'm going to do something I haven't done. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. That is the most comprehensive teaching on the spiritual. We're also going to be a little bit in Galatians 5 for the fruits of the Spirit. And, and a little bit in Rome, Romans 12, 3 through 8. So that's going to be the passages we'll be in. And there's so much in Rome in, uh, in 1 Corinthians. Oh, we could go deep, but um, I'm just going to have to kind of brush over and and you can go deeper later on your own, and I would encourage you to do so. But the and now when people think of spiritual gifts, they almost always go to tongues, the gift of tongues. And so I wanted to address that first, and um, just see what the word says about it. Um, and it is only found in Mark sixteen seventeen. It's all throughout Acts, but particularly in Acts chapter 2 and 3, 10, 11, and 19. Now, 
when Paul is writing the church of Corinth, um, they were the most spirit-filled church um, in, in those that were written in the New Testament. They, they, the gifts were the most active in that church. And they were also one of the most spiritually immature church as well. Um, they were doing what they called love feasts, where they were celebrating life in Christ, and it was kind of like communion, but into a feast. And, but people were getting drunk at it, and they were neglecting the poor, and Paul had to address some, um, some issues of, of, of immorality in the church. There was like a guy that was sleeping with his aunt, basically, you know, and just, you know, all sorts of stuff. So they were spiritually immature, but they were very active in the spiritual gifts. Now that doesn't mean that those two go hand in hand, but Paul addressed the immaturity in his writings to the Corinthian, and you can see the development between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. But he never tells them to stop practicing the gifts. He never says, don't do it. He encourages it. And at the same time, he addresses the immaturity. So um, spiritual giftedness does not necessarily equate spiritual maturity. And we'll get into why that is. But um, so I wanted to do in Mark 16, 17. Let me pull it up here real quick. This is Jesus talking. This is the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These, will, these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen to that. Um, I want to see that happen. It's happened. And I want to see more of it. Because Jesus said we would do greater things than he did because... After his death and resurrection, he was going to the right hand of the Father, and he was going to intercede on our behalf. So with him as your advocate in heaven, the doors are wide open. And if we're not seeing that in our lives, and I'm not saying that I do, we want to see more of this, right? But that's the Great Commission, and let's get to it, huh? Now in Acts, um, it's you know when they first received the Holy Spirit, they were waiting in the upper room and the tongues of fire came and they were all speaking in different tongues and people could understand them in their language and that was the first sermon and the first day of the church. 3,000 souls were saved that day. And then um, in Acts 10, um, God sent Peter to go talk to some, um, like as we studied last time, to speak to some um, Gentiles that weren't Jewish. And while he was telling them the, the gospel, they started speaking in tongues. So he's like, well, we might as well baptize him with water because God already baptized him in the Spirit. And so they did. And then in Acts 10, verse 46. Um, Peter was telling about how the Holy Spirit fell on Gentiles. And he says, for, when, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter asked her, surely we can... We can, no one can refuse water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit as well. Did he? So they did. And then in Acts 11, he's reporting to the church about what happened in Acts 10. And then the last one is in Acts 19. This is Paul. 
So Paul, it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what were you baptized then? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him. And that is in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So, here we have the laying on of hands, reception of the Holy Spirit, and as a result, speaking in tongues and prophesying. That often accompanied the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, um, so why is tongue such a controversial thing? Um, I, I, I spent a summer in a ministry traveling through North America, almost every state and, and, and much of Canada. And I was with people who, many were from churches that were taught that if someone speaks in tongues, they're demon-possessed. There's also people that have been told, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Neither of those is biblical. And we're going to dive into that here about why. So I am just going to read Corinthians and then we'll do a little deeper dive into it. And I will stop at some points to, to kind of uh, clarify some things. Now how many of you are familiar with uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter? It's often spoken at weddings. Well, it is smack dab in the middle of Paul's teaching about the spiritual. Now, I don't say spiritual gifts, because in 1 Corinthians 12.1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware or ignorant. The word gifts there is not in the Greek. It is, sorry, something popped up on, me, on my camera there. It just says, Now concerning the spiritual, I do not want you to be unaware. So this is Paul saying, okay, let's dive into this, right? So, and so the word gifts isn't really there. So, you know that when you were pagan, pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries but the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So there are manifestations of the Spirit and they are given to us for the common good. What are the manifestations of the Spirits? The gifts, the ministries, and the effects. What are gifts, ministries, and effects? So this is where the word gifts comes. The, charis the, the Greek word is charisma. That's why you get charismatic churches, churches that are open to the charisma of the Holy Spirit. Not all the manifestations of the Spirit are the charisma. And charisma means what you think it means. If someone has a lot of charisma, there's something about them. They're easy to like. There's just something you're drawn to them, right? So, 
the manifestations of the charisma that fall on of the of the spirit that fall under charisma are those things that make the spirit and and the church attractive to people. The ministries, the word is diakonia, and it's pretty much that. It's an office, a, a service, a ministry, a, a position that you hold. And the effects of the spirit, the word is energema, and it means energy. So it's the energetic expression of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Now, will those all get lumped under charismatic? No. There's charisma of the Holy Spirit, there's diakonia of the Holy Spirit, and there's energema of the Holy Spirit. So energy and ministry and charisma of the Spirit. These are the manifestations that are given to us for the common good. Okay. 421 is given a, the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same, same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing or discerning of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So the Spirit is the one who gives us these manifestations. These are, he's the one that gives us all things. So there is words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, effecting of miracles, prophesy, distinguishing of spirits, various kinds of tongues, and interpretations of tongues. So those are the gifts, those are the manifestations of the Spirit that Paul's mentioning here. Now, here's something interesting. So charisma is the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? When it says the gifts of healing, that's charisma. So Healing is definitely one of the manifestations of the Spirit that's the charisma. Now that makes sense. If the people of God are laying hands and anointing people and they are getting healed, that's going to be attractive. It was attractive to Jesus' ministry. People flocked to him because he was doing signs and wonders. He was healing people. He was casting demons out. Right? So the charisma of healing or gifts of healing Sorry, I'm pulling this up. Okay, so make sense? For as even as the body is one, yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink, made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is for no reason any less part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would hearing be? And if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they are all one member, where would the body be? But there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I have no need of you. 
On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has com so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church, now here we go again, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, and lastly, various kinds of tongues. So now he's mentioning some ministries and some positions, and some of those overlap with the gifts he listed up above, and some of them are new, like helps and administrations. But the last one is tongues. So tongues is by far not the most important gift. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? Charisma again. Charisma of healing, do they? All do not speak in tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? Now he mentions interpreting. But earnestly desire the greater gifts. What are the greater gifts? First apostles. Then prophets. Then teachers. Then miracles. Then charisma of healing. Then helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. He said earnestly desire the greater gifts. But now I will show you a more excellent way. And this is 1 Corinthians 13. So this is the context of the love chapter. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I have become a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophecy and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind, is not jealous. Love does not brag, it is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, it is not provoked, it does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, and think like a child, and reason like a child. And when I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love, Abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. So right smack dab in the middle of talking about the spiritual, the gifts, the ministry, ministries, and the energy, he talks about love. 1 Corinthians 14.1 Pursue love. Pursue love. Yet 
earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. See, he says both. Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Well, why? For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation or encouragement and consolation. And encouragement, my friends, is not cheerleader. It is to give courage to someone who is lacking it. Just saying, go ahead, yay, Jesus loves you. That's not encouragement. Encouragement is finding someone who does not have courage and imparting courage to them. That's important. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Even lifeless things, either flute or harp, and producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known it is played, what is played the flute or on the harp? For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So you also, since you are zealous of the spiritual, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Therefore, let one who speaks in tongue pray that he may interpret. Do you speak in tongues? Do you pray that you may interpret? Paul thinks you should. And I'm speaking to myself too. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? It's not either or. He says, I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the Spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the Amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. It's Paul. He's like, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all of you. However, in the church, I would rather desire to speak five words with my mind so that my, I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking. Yet, be evil in, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues, and ungifted or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you were mad? Ungifted or unbelievers. You have a whole church assembled, everyone speaking in tongues, someone who is a believer but not gifted, 
or unbelievers walk in, they're going to think you're mad, right? But if all are prophesying and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed and so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Let me ask a question. Sing, singing for is kind of like that. Is your church like that? When your church gets together, does everybody have a chance to share the psalm that the Spirit gave them? Or the teaching that was given them? Or the revelation that was given them? Or a tongue that was given them? Or an interpretation? And all these things are done for the edification of all? No, usually sit down and a worship team leads worship and someone teaches and then you go home. Hmm. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three and each in turn and one must interpret. Does that happen in your gatherings? But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment on what? If he's really prophesying or not. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. That means it's not, not under your control. You can wait. You can wait your turn so that everyone can be edified. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Now this part, uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't like this part. Sorry, I don't. The women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to subject themselves, just as the law also says. Okay, this is also Paul who says we're not under law. Okay, hmm. if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Was it from you that the word of God first went forth? Or has it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is. So those three verses right there. I'm like oh man. Why are those in there? They're in there. Um, if anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual. Let him recognize the things which I write to you. Are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this. He is not recognized. Therefore my brethren. Earnestly desire to prophesy. And do not forbid. To speak in tongues. But all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. That's a mouthful about spiritual gifts. I would encourage you to reread those three chapters if you need to. There's a lot there. Um, I will say this. He says, earnestly desire to prophesy. Prophesying way better than speaking in tongues unless there's an interpretation. If there's interpretation, just as good. I'll share a story. I was at a church one time. We were doing an all-night prayer vigil thingy. We'd do some worship and prayer. A little bit of worship, a bunch of prayer. A little worship all night long. And a gentleman from the church and one of the pastors walked up. And they held hands. Stood across each other and they held hands. And one guy spoke in tongues. And it sounded like an oriental language to me. And when he was... And I, no one, I didn't know what they were going to do. 
And then when he was done speaking, this guy spoke out the interpretation. And when the guy was speaking in tongues, you could feel, you could sense the presence of the Spirit, and you could kind of feel what, what was being said, although you couldn't really know what was being said. And then when he spoke the interpretation, it was just like, yes, that's exactly what that meant. And it was really cool. So there's an example of a, a tongue given with an interpretation. And I was edified by the interpretation, not the tongue itself. Now, the gift of tongues, it's for your edification. And that's okay. Paul's like, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all of you. Because, hey, do you need edification? Go speak in tongues. Go pray in tongues. Go speak in the tongue of men's and angels. Right? That's for you to get close to God, to be edified, that's great. But if all you ever do is edify yourself, how's that helping out the body? Um, and really quickly, let's hop over to Romans 12, because there's a little bit more on gifts. So Romans 12, 3 through 8. For though the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we are, have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of another. Paul saying the same stuff. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophesy, according to the proportion that proportion of his faith, if in service, in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in exhortation, also encouragement, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, yes, mercy can be a spiritual gift. And if, you're, and if you got it, you're supposed to apply it with cheerfulness. If you lead, you're supposed to lead with diligence. If you're a giver, give crazily. Make sense? So that's that's what the word has to say on the spiritual gifts. Um, I could really spend a lot of time on that, but I, I don't I don't want to go too long in in it. But um, I want to give you an example of of word of knowledge. Um, now I live near Huntington Beach, and Huntington Beach and Huntington Pier is a a common place for Christians to go witnessing because there's a lot of people go there and hang out, a lot of tourists, people go there just because it's a cool place. So it's not uncommon. I've gone a couple times, a group of Christians say, hey, let's go witnessing. We're going to go. Let's go to Huntington Pier. Yay! So now, so you can imagine, here, pull up the Christians, they go, they meet somewhere, they, they all circle up and hold hands and pray, and then they break off in little groups, at least two or more, you know, and they go and just start talking to people, and hopefully try to find conversation and witness to people, and then when they, they're done, they gather back and they share stories, and on the way home, they praise God for what happened. So now, there are locals that live there that see this all the time, and they see it coming a mile away, and they often will kind of go and troll and heckle the Christians that are doing this. Because they say, oh, there's the, there's the Christian. They circled up. Oh, let's go mess with them, right? So on this one occasion, there was a gal um, who had, had the gift of words of knowledge. I'm going to give you, an, this is an example of a word of knowledge and show you how this helps build the church and edifies people. So there are some locals, uh, you know, teenage-ish age, maybe late teens, maybe early 20s, uh, two guys and a girl. And the girl was real quiet. 
But they were like talking, oh, really? What? Oh, yeah. They were like pretending to be interested in this Jesus guy just to waste their time pretty much. And while they're sitting there, God gave the girl that was being quiet, the, the one girl with the locals, God gave the Christian girl a word of knowledge. And she interrupted. She's like, guys, stop. And they stopped and said, what? She said, honey, I'm sorry. I don't know your name, but... Um, God showed me what's going on and he wants you to know that he sees it and it's breaking his heart too. And she goes, what? What are you, what are you talking about? And the guys are like, what, what are you talking about? So God told me that your stepbrother is forcing you to have sex with him when your parents are gone. And it's not right and, it, and God is not okay with it. And guess what happened? That girl knew that God knew and God sent someone to let him, her know that he knew and that he was not cool with what was going on. That's a word of knowledge. She became a Christian that night. Why? Well, like Paul said, it wasn't them coming and speaking in tongues and no one knew what they were saying. This girl had a legit word of knowledge from God. And she knew now that God knew about her and cared about her. Now, one of the guys was her boyfriend and he split to go probably give that guy a beat down he'd never experienced before and probably rightly so um, but that's an example of, of word of knowledge and the importance of the the manifestations of the spirit whether they be the charisma the diakonia or the energema, the energy, or the ministry, or the charisma of the spirit, they're all important. We all have been given some of them. Now, I believe that God could use any of us at any time with any of the gifts. If, if something requires a word of knowledge, and if you're a Christian, and you're willing to say yes to God, and God wants you to go deliver a word of knowledge, he'll do it might be the only time it ever happens for you but it's a toolbox that God can use whenever he wants but we are going to have we are parts of the body and per, he put us in certain places for a reason and you're you have some spiritual gifts that God intends you to use for the building up of the church and for the building up of the kingdom and uh, so please press into him and ask him what they are ask him to give them to you he will it's his desire. It's his design. He wants you to move in the gifts that he gave you. Now, let's go over really quickly to Galatians 5. We're going to go about something else of the Spirit. Paul's writing to the church in Galatia, and he's talking about how Christ has set us free. And then he says in Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets, its sense, sets, itself against, sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Right? How many of us in our lives... Um, Sometimes more often than others, um, sometimes really intensely, you know, you've got the spirit and the flesh 
And man, it's like a tug of war. And sometimes you go this way and sometimes you go that way. But they war against each other. Your flesh and the Spirit are in opposition to one another. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, and drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Just, by the way, the word sorcery there, it's pharmakia. Hmm. Interesting. Now, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The greatest of these is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such thing there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another or envying one another. You have the deeds of the flesh, not the fruits of the flesh, and the fruits of the Spirit. The word deeds, in Revelation, when it talks about that they open up the books and the books of life, and they look at your deeds, that's the deeds that you and I will be judged on. I want you to think about this. Deeds are just actions. Actions are just the consequences of choices. So there's a choice before you. You can choose to Walk in a deed of the flesh, it's really easy to do. You'll do it by default if you don't choose better. Or you can walk in the fruits of the Spirit. So, I like that. Deeds are not something that has to grow. Fruit is. But say you wanted a fruit. What's your favorite fruit tree? Say it's cherries. I want cherries. Okay, we just go to the store and buy it, right? No. If you had some land and you wanted to be able to enjoy cherries, what do you got to do? You got to plant the seeds, water it, let it grow several seasons, several years until it's big enough to bear fruit. First season it bears fruit, you're all excited. You can go out and eat some cherries. And then if you prune it good, you know, it grows bigger and bigger. And pretty soon you've got a big cherry tree that creates tons of cherries. It's not overnight, is it? It takes time. A plant has to mature to the point where it can bear fruit. Deeds are just like that. Right? What about gifts? What does it require for you to receive a gift? You just got to take it. If someone hands you a gift, if someone hands you... Here's a $100 bill. I want you to have it. All you have to do is say, okay. And you got the gift. On Christmas morning when you were growing up and on birthdays or whatever occasion, what do you got to do with the gift? All you got to do is open it. It's right there. Just open it. 
Does it take time to mature a gift? Does it take time to receive a gift? No. I mean, look, look in the New Testament. Peter's preaching the word to them, and they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by the speaking in tongues. They just got it. Brand new baby Christian, boom, speaking in tongues. When, when Paul's there in Ephesus, they were, they were devout. They had repented. They had been baptized into John's baptism with water. So they weren't like ignorant of God and stuff. But they baptized in the name of Jesus. Paul laid hands on them. Boom. They got the Holy Spirit. They're praying in tongues and prophesying. Brand new to, to Christ. Prophesying. Speaking in tongues right off the bat. So... It does not take time to develop a gift. It's a gift. It's a manifestation of the Spirit according to the Spirit's will. The charisma or the energy or the ministry of the Spirit given to you is something that you just have to receive and walk in. Now, if you get words of knowledge and you never speak them out, then you got you got to act on them. I have a gift of teaching. I've known that for a long time. It's been confirmed in many different ways. And um, Well, if I never teach, what good is my gift? And just like Paul talked about, it's for the edification of the body. Right? We went there through all this list of all of these gifts. Right? Now, there are many denominations that are against the, these manifestations of the Spirit. How sad. How sad. God wants to use you mightily. And even in a greater way than when Jesus was here. He said we would do greater things than him. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a whole lot of that. And I would love to see it in my time. And I would love to be a part of that. Um, and I believe God wants to do that. But all we got to do is receive the gift that he has for us and walk in it. Now, Paul says if we have gifts and we don't have love, it's nothing. It's nothing. So we also have the fruits of the Spirit. And the first one listed is love. Now I want you to think about this. Paul says there is no law against the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If there is someone who has all of those, heck, if there's someone that just has a few of those that are part of who they are, they're a very loving person and a joyful person and a peaceful person and a patient person and a kind person, there ain't no law against that. You're good. You're golden. If the fruits of the Spirit have matured in your life, you don't have to worry about the law because you're going to be doing God's will because that's God's character birthed in you and matured in you. It's easy to walk in the gift. Letting the fruits mature might take time. But unlike the plants in the beautiful world God made, 
it doesn't have to take forever. It doesn't have to take years for the fruits to mature. When the Pharisees and the scribes got in line to be baptized by John, he said, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Deeds of the flesh, fruits of the Spirit, you can bear fruit by keeping in repentance. If you repent of the deeds of the flesh and you keep in repentance, it will bear fruit. It's in the Word. I'd stand on that promise if I were you. But here's another thing. And I don't hear taught very much. And I really want us to grasp this. And this is, I think, the really the meat and potatoes of this. What is a fruit? Not, not biblically, just what's a fruit? What's a fruit good for? You ever ask yourself that question? Why did Paul say these are the fruits of the Spirit? He could have chose any word. He choose, chose the word fruit. Think about what, what is fruit. It's food. It's delicious. Now, you might not like all fruits, but the fruits that you like, oh man, aren't they delicious? You ever had a peach off of a peach tree, ripe off the tree in season? Oh, or ice cream made by those peaches? Oh yeah, in Georgia? Oh yeah. mm, yummy, right? We love fruit. Fruit's delicious. It nourishes us. And what's the purpose of a fruit? For a plant. It spreads the seed. Right? That's the trade-off. Hey, animals, come eat this yummy fruit. Oh, and by the way, there's some seeds in there. And you can go ahead and, you know, well, if you consume them, they'll come out with fertilizer. <laughs> or you can drop them around and, and, and more trees will go and there'll be more fruit. So the fruit spreads. So the fruits of the Spirit in your life are meant to nourish others. And in doing so, plant the seeds of the fruit in their life so that it can grow in them. If I have the fruit of love in my life and I come and I interact with you bearing that fruit of love, does it not nourish you? If you're in turmoil and someone that lives in peace comes and shares that with you, doesn't it nourish you? Doesn't it help make you more loving when someone loves you? Doesn't it help you be more at peace when someone is at peace with you? And joy and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Part of our ministry to each other and to the wor world is to use the fruits of the Spirit that are mature in our life to nourish others. And in doing so, it spreads the seeds of those fruits in them so that it can mature in them and they can nourish others. And it can plant the seeds in them and it can mature in them and nourish others. And it just spreads and spreads and spreads until it covers the earth. I'd rather have that in my life than say the deeds of the flesh. Those just lead to death and destruction. So the fruits of the Spirit are intended, God intended it to be there in us so that we can nourish others. So that we can feed them something yummy that nourishes their soul, nourishes their spirit, and helps that become a part of who they are. So that they can in turn turn around and be that way to others.
Okay, we're doing okay on time. Now I said it doesn't have to take forever to to have the mature the the fruits mature in your life. You know why? Well, there's some miracle grow. There's fertilizer. You know what it is? It's you moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You moving in the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The gifts, the energy, the ministry. If you will function with what the Lord has given you, it will help the fruits of the Spirit grow quicker and mature quicker in other people's lives. You see how they interplay? And it will help it grow in you too. Can you imagine, you know, when Paul wrote to the churches back then, it was the church at Ephesus. It wasn't to the First Baptist Church in Ephesus, or the Presbyterian, or the Catholic, or the Assemblies of God, or how many denominations are there? How many churches are in your town? Sometimes more than one. Can you imagine that the church is everyone who's a follower of Christ in that town? What if all of those people got together instead of separate in our little tiny groups and denominations? Or what if we, whether we, whatever body we were in, were operating in the gifts and the manifestations of the Spirit that God had given us? Can you imagine what that would be like? Where people were prophesying, people were giving words of wisdom, so if you had a, a tough decision and you didn't know which way, what, how, I, well, how do I decide? What, and someone comes and imparts to you a word of wisdom so you know the angle to come from? What if you're starting to, 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 to go astray and dabble in a little bit of sin and right before you can get too far into it, bam, someone comes and has a word of knowledge and say, Eric, what are you doing? Right? What about when you have no courage left and someone comes and has the gift of exhortation and they can tell, they know you need courage and they impart the courage to you. Not just slap you on the back and say, go praise Jesus, we're saved, hey. No, but someone who can give you courage where you lack it. What if people who need healing can go and get healing? Miracles. Faith. Discerning of spirits so that people aren't led astray by a false prophet because they're prophesying two or three at a time and the other two are passing judgment. What if people are giving tongues and people have the interpretations? What if people are sharing those psalms that God gave them? Teachers are teaching. Can you see what it was intended to be? So here's a body of believers and this could be the Right on Radio community. It could be your church. It could be a corporate gathering of all the believers in an area that get together. If we were functioning in the manifestations the Spirit gave to each of us on a consistent daily basis, it's like miracle grow in the soil. The fruits of the Spirit would grow and flourish so quickly. It doesn't have to take years for the fruits of the Spirit for the gifts, the fruits of the Spirit to mature in your life. 
you can have a part in it by keeping in repentance. But you can have a part in others by moving in the gifts that God has you. Aren't you blessed when people move in their gift? Doesn't it encourage you? Doesn't it draw you closer to Jesus? Doesn't it make you want to step out and step up and follow him? And follow him more wholeheartedly? Right? So, please, I gave you the passages. Do deeper dives if you want to. You can do some dives into the Greek if you want and find out what all those different words are used that we interpret into the list of the gifts and the fruits. There's some stuff, there's some nuggets there, but I didn't have time for that. But I want to I want to earnestly um, implore you to seek God, ask Him in prayer, say, Lord, give me Your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me up, and release unto me the manifestations that You have for me, the charisma, the ministries, the effects of the energy. Whatever you have for me, Holy Spirit, please give me the gift. Let me receive it. Let me open it and let me move in it. And you do it. Why? For the edification of others. Why do you do it? Because of love. What is love? The first fruit of the Holy Spirit. Without it, none of the gifts matter if you don't have it. And when you move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it edifies others. When it edifies others, it's miracle grow in the soil of their faith and the fruits grow and mature and they're able to nourish you and others with the fruit that you helped mature and it plants the seeds of those fruits so the fruit spreads and grows and more in others. Beautiful way God designed it to work. And I think it's high time that we as the body of Christ start to operate in those ways in those gifts and fruit the way that he told us to and to stop accepting just what our church or our pastor or denomination told us what's acceptable and what's not let's get empowered by the holy spirit let's move in what the holy spirit has for each of us let's use it out of love for one another to build each other up and let's see what god does with the world through us amen father we want to thank you for your word there is much in your word lord and jesus you are the living word and there's so much to you and so much more to you than we know lord we want to be your body we want to be your hands and your feet here on the earth lord we get to be you to the people whether they're saved or unsaved we get to be your hands and your feet and your mouth as we do things for people and travel places to get to them and to speak words of life over them. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fall fresh on us every day. Empower us with whatever manifestations you choose for us. And Lord, let us be willing to, on, on, at the drop of a hat, to move in the, those giftings that you've given to us. And fill us with love, Lord, and let it edify others. Let it build up. Let it be good. Let it be for the common good. And Spirit, bear your fruits in our life. Mature them quickly so that we can nourish others and that we can plant the seeds of those fruits in their lives too. And then grow it quickly in them as well. Lord, if we try to do this in our own strength, it ain't going to happen. 
But Lord, we long to see you move in the way that you wanted to move in the way that was greater than you even did it when you were here, Lord. And you said that we could do that because you're advocating for us, Lord. You want this to happen. You want us to be your body. So Lord, it's yes and amen. We know that you will grant this request because it's your will. It's your desire. So we thank you for what we're going to see happening in our midst and all over the world, Lord. We ask you to spread this in Jesus' name everywhere your people are. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We give our lives to you. Use us as you see fit. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining. Um, yeah, this is a long one. The singing portion starts just in a few minutes. So please uh, head over to Telegram to the main uh, Ride on Radio. Uh, uh, I hate saying channel there because I know what channel is. Um, the main page there and uh, join us live if you can. We'll see you there. God bless you. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.